Hello and welcome back to the Mike and No Mike show today. We have another guest on the show. He's all the way from England. He's my good man, Denzel. What's up, man? Hey, you all right, man? Um, it's an honor to be on this po- uh, podcast with my debut. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to talk today. First of many shows, hopefully, together then. Yes, exactly. You can be like a tag team, Kane and Undertaker or something like that, man. <laughs> Tombstone <laughs> on these guys. Yeah, honestly. They don't uh, know what they're in for, you know. Well, yeah, this week and last weekend, we had actually some good football. It was the return of the Champions League, thankfully, and the Europa League. Well, what we can say about the Europa League, but should we start off? Last week, obviously, there was Liverpool versus Man City in the Premier League, so I think that's the only way to start this <laughs> this podcast. And well, uh, can I say that? Was... Uh, what can I say? It was a four-one win for City, and oh, it was dreadful to watch. <laughs> Why? Okay, going into that match, were you expecting it to go down the way it did? Because I think I was anticipating a City win, but I wasn't expecting the City to win like they did personally. In it, so like, what? How do you did you expect it to kind of go down the way it did? No, not really, man. It was just an utter of <laughs> domination by City. They completely dominated the game, in my opinion. First half was a bit even. It was still nil nil after the first half, and Gundogan skied that penalty kick way over the bar as usual. Oh yeah. And then, then the second half began, and then it just was calamity after there, and just error after error leading to leading to the goals and then Allison just deserted, decided to turn into the Brazilian carriers in that game in my <laughs> opinion. Uh Allison was on bands that game after yeah. down. Yeah. Um you you guys kind of like but it's not um that's why it's not surprising I said like you guys just lacked intensity that you're usually doing it. Do you feel how much do you feel like you guys are missing a crowd at Anfield? Because it's this isn't the first time you've been kind of struggling, particularly at Anfield, isn't it? And there was just a lack of intensity there that I hadn't really seen from you guys. You know, like in the past two years when you won the Champions League in the Premier League, like at Anfield, you know, usually first 10, 20, 30 minutes, you'll stick it on, maybe get a goal or two. Like, I wasn't really seeing that. Yeah, man, we're just, I think we're lacking a crowd. Definitely, that's that's playing its part. But also players are just super fatigued right now because we're playing the same guys over and over again. Like our bench is just, we don't have a bench. We're bringing on Oxley Chamberlain, yeah. Origi and Shakiri. <laughs> like these guys cannot make a difference at all to our games. Whereas before we would have like, maybe Wijnaldum come off and Diogo Jota and mm-hmm. Milner. And I don't really care for Milner anymore. He's a bit, he's getting old and... He's not doing the thing anymore, in my opinion. But yeah. these guys, they're just really tired, in my opinion. That's, like, the main thing I can see in them. Because, obviously, you say the intensity is not there. So, the pressures mm. when they're trying to press teams nowadays, they're just – they come straight away to their own half. I don't see anybody going up to pressure them anymore, in my opinion. Yeah, like, uh, you made a good point about your squad, I guess. Because um, who, who's the centre-back pairing um, against City? I think it was Henderson and – Kabak, if I'm not mistaken. Henderson, yeah. So I feel like a big part of the way why you guys aren't as successful. I feel like Henderson not being there and that figure in the center midfield, you actually missing that as well. Yeah. On top of Van Dyke as well and everything. But yeah, it's just it's a combination of factors from the injury that has just stretched your squad so thin, man. Yeah, definitely. But, man. Apart from that, City were well. City did a number on you, man. Phil Foden, wow, star boy, man. Yeah, I hate City, but. Yeah, we, we all hate City, but we have to give them the props when it's due because they're just on a ro- another roll right now. Mm. Like, uh, who else? Uh, Gundogan grew into the game. He was annoying me to start with. But yeah, Foden, man of the match. City just look very impressive right now, man. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, in my opinion. Then we move on to the other games. Well, I got a bit of a mistake here. I thought it was the City-Liverpool game first, but it's actually Leicester City and Liverpool, that one. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that one either, but we'll start off with your team. <laughs> we'll start off with your team first, which is West Brom and Man United, which ended 1-1, and I don't know how, but please explain to me how your team decided to draw with West Brom. Uh, bro, I've only just got over that result, you know. Like, that might have been after the Sheffield because you know we lost recently to Sheffield United, yeah. That might have been... Um, the worst performance of this season. Okay, we lost six months on, but other than that, of recent times, our worst performance. Yeah, we were just so flat. Like Harry Maguire was literally our most 
uh, what's the word for it? Our most uh, productive player in attack. Like we just looked flat all across the board. Apart from that Bruno goal aside, nobody turned up. It was just really disheartening, you know? Like at least I wanted to think my team were in the title challenge, yeah, but that, along with like City being you and City being Spurs and everyone, that was the thing that was made me realise of like, yeah, my team are definitely not fit enough to be in the title challenge. Really and truly. Did you ever think you guys would have like challenged for the title in this season? Truly. I thought, yeah, that, okay, because you know when we, there was a bit of talk after we went and made those results around Christmas and then we drew against you and then I guess we drew against Arsenal, yeah? I thought, okay, if we... I don't mind drawing against Liverpool and Arsenal if we keep maintaining these results, but we, evidently we haven't been able to and a couple of key tests in my head, we haven't passed them. So I thought there was a chance, but the draws against Everton, the loss against Sheffield United, West Brom, nah, man. They're, they're, we, we failed those key tests, so it's just a top four thing this year. Because you guys have been really struggling against like the bottom teams this season, to be honest. like You guys have played well against like maybe the top 10. But then you guys play against like Sheffield United, West Brom, barely kind of beat Fulham as well. So like you guys are quite struggling against the shit teams, in my opinion. It's it's a weird one, man. I feel like I say we beat the the okay the bottom bottom teams we've, we've been struggling against, but the mid lower teams we've been uh, kind of being comfortably in it because when you say the big teams, yeah, we've been boring in the big game for like we were boring against you. I think like we could have beaten you, but that's a story for another day. We do no no against Chelsea. We do no no against City. We lost six one against Tottenham. It's just, I guess, the relegation. It's the the top top of the table and the relegation sides. We've been kind of struggling. It's weird. I don't know how to make sense of this team. It's just a very weird team, man. Yeah, I agree. Like your team is good offensively. You guys are really like just on top of your game. But defensively, and maybe the CDM pairing is not the greatest in my opinion. Still, or what do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's a bit worrying that, like, when we talk about, like, um, re-strengthening the sides, uh, the, the CDM doesn't come up. Like, McTominay and Fred do a job in certain games, don't get me wrong, but, like, come on, like, moving forward, we do need... Uh, I, I feel like for both of them, we could get a, a DM that can do the job that both of them does, if you get what I'm saying. So, yeah, like, there's definitely areas we need to strengthen. And there's still questions about Ole, but I'm happy to have him now. You get me, so. Do you think, like, he's the man for the job? Like, okay, yeah, he's very good, like, player management, I would say. Like, he gets along with the players. He puts them in the right position. But sometimes, tactically, he's not, like, the most suited, I would, I would assume, for Man United, in my opinion. Because you guys are obviously striving to win everything in the world. But is he, like, mm. the right guy for it, in my opinion? It's weird because um, it's, like... There's, he's, he's done very good things, as you said, but it's like his contract runs out at the end of the season. I feel like what he does between now and the end of the season will basically certify my opinion of him. I guess if we get top four and a trophy, I feel like that's good enough for him to maybe re renew maybe like another year or so, isn't it? Because that's a trophy. You've shown that, you know, you've got the capability to win something with the team. If he gets like top four and wins nothing else, I'll be like, mm, maybe. But if we went for another one, maybe we'd be ambitious. But there's this thing, like, in football, uh, you know, NFL, you probably know it because you're American. Apparently, it's called a quarterback purgatory or something like that, where a quarterback is not bad enough for you to get rid of him, but it's not good enough for you to win stuff with him. And that's why I feel like we are kind of a foley. You get me? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He's he's not doing he he'll he'll get himself out of bad situations. We might finish top four, but there's still a question whether like we're gonna be that kind of title winning side under him. And I don't really know. I don't know. What yeah. do you think? It's difficult to say because I see like a lot of good like play with you guys. In my opinion, you really like Luke Shaw has turned into like one of the top five left backs in the world. In my opinion, like he's really just changed into a player this season. Like when we lived together, like we were just always slacking Luke Shaw. He's just a chubby guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't really care about football. But now ever since you guys got Alex Telles as like a competitor for him, he's turned into like a really good left back in my opinion, super attacking. His crosses 
I don't know where he got these crosses now from. I don't know if he went to Roberto Carlos school or something, but now he's assisting like crazy, like Andy Robertson for Liverpool. So I think he's an improvement. Your center back pairing, okay, we all make fun of Harry, but Harry is a good leader, good defensively, but he's so slow. He needs a guy next to him who's fast, in my opinion, to like yeah. balance it out in a way because he's really good on the ball, like Harry Maguire, in my opinion. But you guys need a, another center back and maybe one good CDM. And I think, to be honest, you have a very, very good team then that could challenge for a title. Yeah, I feel like this is the closest we've ever been to, which is annoying because I feel like this is the closest that we've ever been to being a title challenging side since Ferguson, closer than any of Mourinho's sides. But it's just, uh, do do we trust the club to know how to get make that next step? And I, it, it's uh, the jury's still out. I don't know yet. I don't yeah. know. It'd be nice to get Sancho and stuff like that, but it's a weird one, man. What do you guys need him? Like you guys have now, you guys have good four attackers. You have Fernandez, you have Martial, you have Rashford, Cavani maybe um, again. Ma- Marshall's been annoying me recently, man. Like Cavani, I know he's, yeah. I know he's your guy, man. I know he's your guy. <laughs> he is. He is. I don't know what's happened to Martial. He is. He is terrible uh, nowadays. <laughs> I think here, yeah, it's like. The thing is, we score a lot of goals, don't get me wrong, and our attack is very potent. I think it's about finding uh, sorry, finding the balance in attack. Because we have... Um, uh, Martial and Rashford are best on the left. We don't actually have a, very, a, a good natural kind of right-sided attack. I mean, Greenwood can play there, we can mix and match. But in certain games, it becomes very clear that we don't have a, like a starting sort of right-sided attacker. We're just kind of having like a square pegs in round holes kind of thing because Daniel James he's not good enough man but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Daniel James is not the answer yeah he's not it man I'm gonna be perfectly honest with that but yeah but yeah well we can move on now to the other results on the weekend I mean City they dominated again anything any quick thoughts on that I mean Mourinho's side just looked terrible uh what uh, the performance against Spurs yeah yeah like that's just the performance we've come to be expecting from City, man. It's just clockwork from them, man. Like, uh, from January times, I don't know if you felt this too, but even when City were just kind of like propping up, I think from when they beat Chelsea in January and when we were top, I was thinking, okay, we might be in a title race, but City are looking scary, but they've just taken it to a whole nother level in the past two months, man. Like, especially, but we're talking about the Spurs game. That's just, in my opinion, that's just, that's just another continuation of what they've been doing. Like, the uh, <laughs> well, who is it? Sanchez. You see the way Sanchez flops on the floor. Yeah, uh, I saw. Yeah, yeah. When he was trying to die for the for the ball. Oh god, yeah. he just turned into a meme. Yeah, but it was just, especially with the way Tottenham have been playing recently as well. Like, no surprise to me, man. See, you're going to win the league. Like, it'll be, I'll be surprised if City don't win the league at this point. Easily, yeah, easily, man. Yeah. All right. Well, then the last game for the weekend that we should talk about. Oh. This is a sorrow Leicester. note once again. It's <laughs> Leicester City 3 and Liverpool 1. And, oh, God. First 70 minutes, Liverpool completely dominated the game. And then all of a sudden, just calamity after calamity after calamity. Mo Salah obviously getting the opening goal. Beautiful goal. Bobby Firmino, mm. beautiful assist to him. And then he tucked in into the top left corner. And then, then began the complete shit show, as I call it. First, James Madison. I guess they said that the one guy touched it in because they were looking at offside and then they gave it the goal, but he looked offside to me. <laughs> so that happened. And then, yeah. and then, and then the Jamie Vardy goal. Oh, I listened with another mistake, which was even worse than the last two, <laughs> the other weekend. And he decided to come out maybe 40 yards from his goal, took out Kabak. I don't know if neither one of them was communicating. It should have been Allison maybe saying something. Kabak, that was his. I think second game in, in for Liverpool. So Allison should have definitely said something. And then and then Harvey Barnes scored the third one. I mean, just an absolute utter calamity by Liverpool. I mean, just I have no words to just describe that loss. It was just so heartbreaking to watch. It's completely dominating the game for 70 minutes and then seeing that in the last 20 minutes. But I know your thoughts. You guys capitulated, man. <laughs> you guys. I, I personally enjoyed every minute of it. But... Yeah, you guys absolutely capitulated. Like, when I first watched that game, to be honest, I was kind of getting annoyed because naturally I don't want Liverpool to win. So, but um, 
you guys were relatively in control, to be honest. Like, even from the first half before the goal, you probably should have scored in the first half, to be honest. Um, there were, don't get me wrong, there were kind of warning signs, though. Like, even though it was against the run of play, I do remember a couple of times Vardy got in behind your defence, like, just from one ball at the top. But generally, you guys looked like you had it control, especially when Salah scored. But that seven-minute period when you guys just, it was just free-for-all, man. Like, I don't think I've ever seen Liverpool, actually, to be honest, you lost the 7-2 against Villa was mad. But outside of that, that seven-minute spell, it was just anarchy, man. You guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened there. They, I think the players just lost their head or something. They went to another planet during those seven minutes. Yeah. I have never seen us capitulate that bad. Okay, the Aston Villa game, that was a bit of a, I mean, that's just one one off really in my opinion, but that was really seven minutes and they scored three goals and two of those goals were so avoidable. There's just the defending and the goalkeeping for those was just so horrible in my opinion. Oh. Yeah. Like it was very uncharacteristic from you, man. Like you guys, because what I felt like, yeah, where, where you guys were struggling recently was the attack. Like defending wise, you guys weren't really conceding that many goals, to be honest. It was really, I guess, uh, the attack. But that seven minutes against Leicester and I guess what happened against City, hopefully it's not a trend that continues for you guys in the league. I mean, you won in a week against Leipzig. But yeah, you could not be conceding goals like that. (laughs) Yeah, that cannot come come those kind of defensive errors if we want to make it now to the top four, which is really looking now dicey in my opinion because now we got, well, Man United second. They got 46 points. Leicester's third 46 then we got Chelsea 42 West Ham's got 42 and then Liverpool's got 40 points so this is going to be tight so Man United got to be careful Leicester got to be careful because Chelsea and West Ham are coming especially Chelsea after they sacked Lampard and now they got Tuchel and now they're playing really well yeah that new manager bounce thing Chelsea are going to have I feel like it's definitely coming into effect they look decent still so this week, uh, this midweek boost United had can uh, propel us, but we definitely need results. Like, it's definitely a top four thing at the moment. It's tight. Yeah, the top four is re- looking really tight. How many uh, teams do you think are in the top four race? Well, between Man United, think, um, Aston, Man United... So, we'll continue. Man United and Tottenham, there's a 10-point gap, and Tottenham have a game below you guys. So, could get really tight. And there's Aston Villa as well and Everton who both have 37 and 36. So if they win their games, they're, they're, we're going to have like seven teams between six points for the top, like the three last places in the Champions League. Because we can we can agree that City are going to win the league. They just, it's over with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean... How seriously are you taking Everton this season? Just, I guess, as a preview. Oh, for you, the game you know you guys weekend. are playing them in yeah, the Derby this weekend, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. I don't really take Everton too serious. I mean, they had a really crazy game with you guys. I don't know how you guys drew that game either, but we'll discuss that another time. But I don't really take Everton too <laughs> serious because I think uh, Albert Lewin, is, he's injured as well in that game. So that's actually a bonus for us. Mm. Albert Lewin is injured. so But it's going to be an interesting finish for the top four. I mean, West Ham, now they got Jesse Lingard, the best player in the world there. Yes, I'm, I'm loving every minute of that. My boy supports West Ham and, you know, he's loving he, he's loving the new Jesse Lingard. So, long may it continue, to be honest. Like, although I don't feel like, we'll see if West Ham will stay in and around those places. But I don't feel, I feel like there might be a drop-off coming in terms of West Ham being in this. They're outperforming crazy right now, to be honest. Yeah, but they have really good players. Obviously, Michael Antonio, Ben Rama. Declan Rice, Suchek, Kuval. They have a lot of decent players, actually. And then they added Jesse Lingard, so a bit more attacking-wise. And they're, they actually have a decent squad then. Yeah, they're, they're mad effective. But have you noticed that like, Antonio, I guess on another note, his uh, post-lockdown Antonio is so much more effective than what he was before. I was, He was still a, a good player before, don't get me wrong, but like he's so much more effective in terms of goals and assists Like since lockdown, I've noticed. Like, Maybe under this new David Moyes team, but yeah. It's pretty crazy that they're actually managed by David Moyes and they're doing well because <laughs> last time he was there, they were struggling, almost getting relegated. And now he's in the top four race with them. It's, pretty, it's a pretty crazy change for them, in my opinion. Yeah, the West Ham fans won't be complaining about David Moyes now. That's no, what they that, were doing that, before. They can't be now. <laughs> There's no way. 
But yeah. we'll move on now to the well. Obviously, we got the beautiful Champions League back and some. I could say a changing of the guard to the new guys coming into the game. Obviously, we will first start, start off with the Barcelona PSG, which finished four one, and I mean, Ratatata and Mbappe showed up and scored a hat trick. I mean, this guy is just <laughs> unbelievable. Did you watch the game? Uh, yeah, I watched it, but I don't know where, where, where to attack it from. As in, should I start with PSG or should I start going in on Barca? Because no, start, I feel like there's two stories they could explain it. Let's praise Because Barcelona are best. <laughs> let's, let's praise PSG okay. first. Okay, yeah, PSG. Um, for like, even though Barcelona were low-hanging fruit. Okay, but yeah, PSG, uh, Mbappe, even without Neymar as well, they just look very imperious, man. Like, a new camp as well. Um, the occasion, maybe the lack of crowd came into it, didn't phase them, but PSG just looked in control the whole game, to be honest, man. I'll be honest, but like Mbappe as well, he's a he's a generational talent, man. The generational talent. He's, like, he's going to change the game, man. He's only 22, and he's he's got to win the Champions League. That's the only thing he's got to win in his career now. Yeah, he's won practically everything he needs to win. Yep. Unless, you know, he... Uh, just for the thrill of it, he goes into the European League and tries to win that. <laughs> well, I don't, think he wants to, I don't think he wants to play in that league. You <laughs> <laughs> want to win that. But, but I saw you. Yeah, uh, I saw you tweeting that like he was completely roasting my American boy Dest on the on the right side. The whole game. Oh, Dest had a nightmare, bro. Was well, he? Uh... To be honest, like, I, I, I that's the thing. Yeah, I don't like criticizing players too much because maybe it it was just too big of a stage for him at that time or the occasion. But Dest did not play well, to be honest. Like Mbappe had him on toast. Like, um, maybe I'll credit it more to Mbappe having a good performance. But yeah, Dest just didn't have the best of games, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I would probably say the same thing as well because Dest he got completely ripped for most of those goals. But I mean, it could be the whole defense as well because PK came back from a long injury, and I think that was his first game back as well. So. Not the greatest yeah. game to come back, but obviously and he, a... he wasn't he, he wasn't helped by Dembele. Like no, of course not. Dembele was awful. <laughs> yeah, man, I... Dembele was on his wing, yeah. And it was just a 2v1 every single time. It was just not <laughs> he looked like a deer caught in the headlights, but I, I don't really blame him too much, man. Yeah, but I mean in that game we kind of saw like the old guy, Messi, looking kind of slow in my opinion as well. And now in Bay just coming in with pace and power and everything, man. It just is there a changing of the guards now? Yeah, but I think that the guards has been changing in a, for about two years now. From when, because uh, we're talking, it's not just Messi. We're talking about Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah, Messi and Ronaldo. From, yeah, from when Ronaldo went to Juventus, that's probably and you, when you look at their performances in the Champions League and where their teams have went, that was probably when the guards changed. I think now. It's more so we're trying to see now, it's now between Mbappe and Haaland who have taken over. But the Messi and Ronaldo decline has been here for a little while, to be honest, if I'll be honest. Yeah, and now we just have Mbappe, thankfully now for many, many years to come. And we get to see just the true God that he is, in my opinion. And he's just going to rip it. But now you want to rip into Barcelona, so go ahead, rip into Barcelona. Oh my God, it's a mess. It's a mess. How are you appointing... Ronald Koeman, firstly and foremost, yeah. <laughs> like, everything from... Not, none of the decisions that club has made, because I was talking about it with my friends, none of the decisions that club has made since winning the 2014-15 uh, Champions League treble with... Uh, who was it? The manager? Was it Enrique? Uh, yeah, it was Enrique, Enrique right? Enrique. Yep, I think yeah. it was. None of the decisions they've made have made sense, yeah? Like, okay, they've got in Koeman. Uh, the sign... Okay, Griezmann has been playing kind of well recently. And to be honest, Barcelona have been on form recently, but... They are on the big stage, yeah, and the players they have, they're just not it, bro. Like, they are not it. They are not... They, you, you can tell... The results they've been getting in the, uh, in the Champions Leagues of, of recent are no coincidence. The way they went out to you, they went, the way they went out to Roma, the way they're about to go out to PSG. Who else have they went out to? Recently? They went out Juventus. to uh, Bayern Munich 8-2 last year. They went out to... But, but yeah, yeah. Not... Uh, before, when you look at those things in isolation, you say, oh, maybe this is a freak result. But when it happened three or four times, yeah, it's just a mess. Yeah. This same think... Ronald Koeman that was playing Calvert-Lewin as right wing back for Everton, you've gone and uh, signed him as your manager. 
know, man. He had he had good success with the Holland national team. And I, I was surprised that he wanted to leave that good project behind and go to Barcelona, which was looking like a, just a sh- ship sinking sat really quickly, in my opinion. So I don't know why he chose you, you, to go there. You know, one side note, I guess, yeah. It's interesting. You know, those two, uh, it was two former Southampton managers against each other. Oh, wow. That's actually a good point. It's Koeman and po- Pochettino. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Southampton on the big stage, but yeah, like Barcelona, I feel like their big problem is, is that they haven't found the correct balance in this new game, in, in the new game. So like, they, I feel like physically, Barcelona are just not up to it as they used to be, really and truly. You've got Dembele, but for whatever reason, Dembele hasn't worked or hasn't fit into the system Barcelona play. But when Barcelona get up in the... Uh, see against Bayern Munich, see against you guys who play like a high-pressing, very physical game, they have no answers to that. They have, they just get demolished, like especially against PSG. They have no answers to that. And I don't see how they're going to sort that with the youth players they have coming through the players that they're buying i don't know yeah they have a. what do you think they're just their strategy of work now is just completely done i think because they now have to vote for a new president because the new the old president he's gone they got rid of mm. him so they're voting in for a new president so obviously i think that's going to take a whole long, long time to now change the whole structure of the club because apparently they're like in 500 million dollar debt or something like that something crazy number like that so they have yeah. so so much debt and Messi's gonna leave, so think about all the sponsors that are gonna lose from there. It's just not looking good oh, yeah. for it's not looking good for Barcelona fans. Do you think Messi's gonna leave? Actually, uh, I think he will. I feel, uh, I feel like what stopped him leaving last uh, season is he didn't want to leave in a mess. So uh, he still has an attachment to that club, and he didn't want to leave it like in some sort of controversy. This season, his contract is running out, and. It's clear, even though he's given his best to the team, but it's clear the team around him, and maybe he even needs to take accountability himself, it's clear it's just not working out. Like, I feel like he definitely will leave this summer. But PSG or City, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think I see that as well happening. But, I mean, PSG, they're probably going to go through in that that, uh, time. So that's going to be done for there. And then um, other games in the Champions League, Liverpool 1-2-0. I think you didn't watch the game. I did. It was pretty, pretty convincing. To be honest, you know, obviously everybody's rating Open Meccano and now he's moving to Bayern Munich, but he was absolutely shocking in that game. The passing he did was absolutely terrible. He must have given Liverpool the ball 10 times during that game. And then we just count, 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 counted on two errors that they, they made and won the game easily from there. Luckily, we kept a clean sheet for one. So good for, good for Liverpool in that sense. For, on the what's the name? How do you pronounce the name? Open Meccano. Uh, yeah, on his on, on him, yeah. I feel like the jury is still out on him. He's obviously a great talent, but uh you watch that game, so you know better than me. But I can go off what I've seen. I don't really watch Leipzig too much, but do you see the game when we uh beat them 5-0 at Old Trafford? Yep. The, their center <laughs> their center defense was non-existent. Yeah, and I'm not gonna count him out because uh center backs can have games like that and kind of grown years young, but yeah, he, he does seem to appear to have them kind of moments in him every now and then. But he's young, so... And I guess it says a lot when buying or buying him for how much? What, uh, 45 million. Uh, That's it. 45 million. Wait, wait, 45 million? I thought it was more than that. 45 million they're buying yeah. for. It's a um, bargain. Bayern bargain have, for that kind of talent. They have a monopoly on that league, but yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but nothing really much more to add to that. I think Liverpool should be going through in that. I don't really see much from Leipzig going through there they don't really have the firepower now that team of is gone they don't have a lot of goal scoring in my opinion they have a lot of good midfielders and their defense is good but their attacking wise is yeah. not good enough to i would say to get of, past this tie of the four games uh that's right you're right of the four games that we had in the midweek two of them are imbalanced the other two are done so your game and psg done uh sevilla maybe could come back against dortmund although it's going to be a hard task and uh i think juve will uh, come back against Porto. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to switch then to the Porto-Juventus game, which finished 2-1. And I mean, I watched the game, the whole game. <laughs> I don't know why I chose to watch this game instead of the Sevilla Dortmund, but I mean, just the first minute, <laughs> Juventus decided to pass it all the way in the back and then Ventacor did a no-look pass to the goalkeeper and <laughs> they scored Porto. 
And then the second half, then they did it quicker. They did it in 20 seconds. Porto scored again, and then Juventus luckily scored. But, I mean, Juventus look absolutely shocking. They have no, like, offense going. And Ronaldo, you, I don't know if you watched the game, Ronaldo was non-existent, man. I have never seen Ronaldo play so bad in my life. No, I, I watched the highlights. But actually, I watched the first 20 minutes. And then I think I uh, was in between the, the severe Dortmund game. But, yeah, Juve, especially in the first half from what I was watching, they were looking look so flat. Like, they're another team that I, I would still back them to go through in the second leg, but I would not back them to do much in the Champions League this season. Maybe a reliance on Ronaldo's effectiveness in key moments. But even then, as you said, like, in general play, you could, I feel like you can kind of question Ronaldo's uh, contribution, but I, we'll see how it works out. But I just don't think that they've got enough to go all the way in the Champions League. Yeah, I don't see them going through winning the Champions League, in my opinion. They don't have a squad do you, do you to see, do that. Do you see them winning this tie, though? Well, I know you watched the first, uh, the first leg. Do you see them winning the tie? Yeah, I probably could see them winning the next tie 2 0, but it's going to be tight because Porto were defending really well. Like Pepe. He's not like crazy like he was in Real Madrid days. He's actually very like opposed nowadays. He's he's a good defender, yeah. but like I don't see that. Obviously, I think Ronaldo will have a big game in the second tie, but I don't see Juventus doing anything in this tournament, in my opinion. You know what I'm noticing across Europe, yeah, is that this generation of players like you know, like the Messi, Ronaldo, Pepe, Cavani, these kind of people. I'm talking about Thiago Silva. They are playing to old ages compared to like older players when they retired. If you get what I'm saying, like. Ronaldo is 37. Ibrahimovic is what? Is Ibrahimovic like 40 or 39? I think 39 or 40, yeah. Yeah. Like, the, it's good, don't get me wrong, the experience these guys bring. And to, to be honest, Pepe is a very good example of it. But you can get examples where if you rely on experience too much, you're kind of losing kind of that dynamism in your team. And I feel like Barcelona, if we come back to Barcelona, Barcelona, one of those teams, man. But Pepe is a very good example, man. He's... Um, it seems like that's a very good uh, move for Porto. Yeah, it is, definitely. And then the last game in the Champions League, I mean, another guy who's trying to take the crown of Ronaldo and Messi now, and that's Holland, only 20 years old, and he scored two goals. I mean, this guy is an absolute machine for being 20 years old, man. I think he's scored now like 16 Champions League goals in like 14 games in his career. It's ridiculous numbers by this kid, and he's only 20. It's, I mean, what's going to be like when he's going to be 25, in my opinion? No, he's a soft shooter, man. But one, what, one thing that is scary is that who's he going to sign to? Because do you actually see him at Dortmund for the next two years? No, I don't see him in the next two years. I don't see him at Dortmund. I feel like he's going to go somewhere in Spain or England for sure. Whoever signed him has got a very big gem on their hands. And I'm just, I'm scared as who he's going to go to. Like, I really would love, because you know, the Mulder connection, no way. I really want him to come to United but my point being is that him and Mbappe are probably going to be the best striker if they're not already the best strikers on, in the world in the next years to come you know you've got Lewandowski and your typical guys that have been around here for years but whoever snaps up Haaland on the top level has, has got a very big advantage in Europe moving forward if they play their team right yeah definitely man this guy he's just got so much pace and power it's ridiculous like the amount of pace he has for being so tall in my opinion is crazy but he just needs like a right foot like he's not very the skillish type i'd say he's just a sharpshooter he gets in the box and he scores but when he gets on his left foot you're not you're not saving it there's no way you're not saving it <laughs> he's very direct as well but i guess what you say about a right foot he's one of those players that i feel like he's very adaptable even when he's on the left and on the right so with where he's got that quick, like, I wouldn't compare it to Greenwood because he's levels above Greenwood, but if he's on the right side, he can easily just shift it to it. He doesn't need a, a half second where he can just shift it to his left or always right. And then it's past you in a flash. Like, he's that good. Like, I wouldn't hold that against him. Yeah, I wouldn't against hold it against him either. But he's just a goal-scoring machine, man. I mean, in the Champions League this year, he's only appeared five games and scored eight goals. <laughs> I mean, those are just ridiculous numbers, man. He's just such a goal-scorer. He's a robot. He's a robot, man. It's honestly ridiculous, in my opinion. But, well, we'll move on then to the greatest tournament of them all, as I say, the Euro Europa League. Well, 
You guys, you Man United at least won four nil against Real Sociedad. So, if you want to explain, pleasantly them. surprised, man. Pleasantly surprised. You guys actually uh, fielded a very strong squad, I would say. Fernandez started, Maguire. Who else? Was Rashford playing? Uh, yeah, Bruno Rashford. Um, Greenwood started. Very uh, uh, a starting eleven we would probably play apart from James, but. Uh, a starting eleven that wouldn't look out of place in the Premier League to what we usually play, to be honest. Yeah, but then you guys obviously coasted through that game, so obviously then the next game you're gonna just play a weakened squad. Then, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm really happy that we actually put that tie to bed. To be honest, I was kind of because you know how well Sociedad have been playing in the La Liga this season. I wasn't really looking forward to that this one too much, especially the way we were playing. But I, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with how we've wrapped that up. So yeah. hopefully in this busy schedule, you know, that's another game to just tick off the list. Tick off the list, exactly. And then Tottenham won 4-1. The man, Gareth Bale, actually scored a goal and assisted. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah he, 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 brought, he brought the old flow back. Went to AJ Tracy, man, upside down. Oh, he, <laughs> uh, the goal was good, don't get me wrong. Like, the way he cut in uh, and finished that. Like, hopefully... Actually, to be honest, I don't care here or there, but I, I like Gareth Bale personally in it. So, like, hopefully, you know, there's more to come from him because, boy, it hasn't worked out at Tottenham at all. Yeah, what did you think? Because when I when I thought when he signed for them, I was like, okay, this is a really good for, move for him. He gets out of Real Madrid. He doesn't have to golf anymore in Madrid. He actually can focus yeah. on football. But it seems to me like he's just lost the game, like the love of it, so much more now, in my opinion. And now he's just with Mourinho, who's this kind of sour character, doesn't really get you up for games. But Bale just looks so depleted now I think he's going to retire soon yeah I, I think he's finished personally um I, I had those kind of similar thoughts to you that you know he because let's be honest like he should have moved from Madrid way earlier than he should than he actually did so when he came to Tottenham I was thinking you know older environment maybe you know that will rekindle that kind of form in him but for whatever reason that hasn't worked out and to be honest it kind of makes me think, was it Mourinho that brought us Bell back? Or was it like, you know, that Daniel Levy, um, uh, Tottenham's chairman that did? But yeah, like, I think he's done, to be honest, on the big, big stage. Too. So it'll be interesting to see at the end of the season whether Tottenham will, you know, renew his loan. or Because he, he, bro, how much does he earn a week? The wages must be crazy. I think he's yeah. earning like almost 300000 a week, which is like top yeah, like, five wages in the Premier League. For a guy who's just on the bench. See, like, it's not really worth the investment if you're thinking about it rationally because I don't think he's going to... Because um, I didn't, I didn't personally didn't watch that game. Um, I watched highlights, but I didn't watch the game properly that he played on Thursday. He played well. But I don't think he's going to replicate those kind of things on week in, week out on the Premier, in the Premier League ever again, personally. But, no, man, when you're playing against a dodgy shit team from Austria I mean it's good it's all good to get confidence but when you're playing against Premier League teams I don't think he's going to do it in my opinion yeah exactly so it, it would be nice if he, he did because honestly I feel like Gareth Bell you know in Madrid's uh, Champions League winning seasons we've won like what four in like five years yeah I feel like Gareth Bell's kind of contribution in the time he was at Real Madrid was kind of underappreciated personally oh definitely like, scored in final the, the goal against you guys he scored in the first final against Atletico. I think he scored the goal to go ahead. He scored in, um, he scored in quite a few big, big games for Madrid. I feel like he's been underappreciated, but it's kind of sad to see him go out like this, to be honest, because I think he might be the greatest British player. I'd say British, not English, like overseas of all time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like a British yeah. player going to overseas is what you mean. Yeah, yeah, like um, we're talking about the David Beckhams and all of that. Like he's out outdone all of that. Like, oh, definitely, man. With the amount of Champions League he won during his time at Real Madrid, there's no way nobody can do better than that, in my opinion. Yeah, like honestly. Yeah, but then other games, my boy Rangers. Obviously, I only followed them because of the Finnish player Glenn Kamara. <laughs> he's Sierra Leone as well, so remember that. Yes, yes. The man, yes. the man is just balling all the time. I love Glenn Kamara. And then we had Arsenal 1-1. I don't know if you saw this miss by Aubameyang, but <laughs> there was a perfect cross over the back post and on his left foot, and he completely scuffed it and missed it from like two yards out. I don't know what happened there, but obviously Arsenal drew the game 1-1. Yeah, Arsenal against Benfica. 
Uh, I was I was like in and out of watching that game, but Arsenal generally just looked flat. I feel like the game was there for the taking, but for whatever reason, they didn't turn up, man. Yeah. Don't know. Arsenal are just an interesting club, as we all would say. They're still a meme club, but I mean, they're just trying to get a little bit better. But they're just, I don't know what's wrong with them, in my opinion. Opinion on Arteta? I quite, actually quite like Arteta. I mean, he was having that little dodgy moment with 17th place, in my opinion, which is looking a little <laughs> bit scary for Arsenal fans, and everybody wanted him sacked. And then he started winning games. But now, like, I think he tries to play a good style of football, but the problem is, is the players. They don't have a good enough players. They have Thomas Partey, which they bought, which I think was a good signing. Aubameyang. I like Emil Smith-Rowe. Bakary Saka, I think, is the best young player in the Premier League, in my opinion. Not going to lie. He's, okay. he's Saka over Foden. Is that what you're trying to say? Oh, I mean, it's between them two, of course, but he, Saka is, ooh, he is such a good player, man. He, he has pace and he has skills. He scored a couple big goals this season as well. Then they have Lacazette. Yeah. I think he's kind of done. Pepe, I feel yeah. like he's undervalued. Pepe is very undervalued. He's such a good player, but they just don't play him enough. Well, okay. Interesting you say that about Saka, because I wouldn't visit that yet. You say he's one, he, he is one of the best uh, youngers in the Premier League, but going forward, yeah, I feel like he's played here, there, and everywhere kind of for Arsenal. And to be honest, it's not a bad thing, but moving forward, where do you think is going to be his place, like that he certifies down? Like, what is he? Because he's, he's done his thing at left. He's not going to be a left back, but he's done his thing at left back. He's done his thing. He's done his thing in different positions for Arsenal, to be honest. I'd see him as like a left winger, in my opinion. That's like the position I see him. Because I saw he was back in the day playing left back, and that didn't quite work, in my opinion. So I think he's a perfect left, left winger for Arsenal that they can build from in the future, in my opinion. Mm. Like he's tidy, man. I, I'm like you find with a lot of young players they uh which can be frustrating they lose the ball a lot or they make the wrong decision his decision making for his age is amazing yeah he's only like, 19 and his decision making is ridiculous yeah like he looks so composed compared to like big man like jacko who were just losing the ball here there and everywhere yeah like oh, he I, is granted jacko needs to leave man that guy is just so <laughs> terrible in my opinion and david louise <laughs> and and bellerin they just their defense needs to shore up, and I think then they can challenge like for top four. Obviously, not no Premier League, of course not, but yeah, they could definitely get into if they get like a better like defense. They have the left back tyranny, he's good, but now they need a center back and then a right back. That's pretty much it. But them guys are also broke, so and I don't trust that's one that's one big question I have over Arteta and Arsenal in general, isn't it? When you're making signings like William and Cedric and these guys. Are you really going to eventually challenge for top four if you keep making signings like this? Like William, for example, that's the main one. Like, have you? He's been washed. He is. So, he only had <laughs> one awful good, signing. He only had one good game, and that was the first game against Fulham when he had two assists. Otherwise, he has been terrible. And he's just collecting wages as well. I'm sure he doesn't collect no small boy wages. So, oh, he's getting 180 thousand a week. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe. Uh, this approach by trusting, you know, the academy products like uh, Smith Rowe, Saka, and Ketty is kind of average. Um, I know they they learned that Willock, but maybe this approach will work because I don't think Arsenal have it all there when it comes to buying players personally. And I don't know if Arteta has. Will, it, the question still remains to be seen, in my opinion, if Arteta will get those players that will make them top four, you know, title challenges maybe. But do you think they should like? wait until they get good enough players and then see if uh, Arteta is the man. Because I think he's actually a decent manager, in my opinion, but he just doesn't have the players that want to yeah. style, in my opinion. Yeah, like, I wouldn't, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't sack Arteta. Like, I would say, yeah, let him get his players, uh, you know, like Klopp did or whatever, like, let, let him get his players over, like, two, three seasons so we can actually judge them. But I'm just saying, maybe if we judged it off his transfer window that he had this summer, ugh. <laughs> yeah, oh, I don't know. but also it might not but, just be it might not be him as well making the decisions. It could be the people up top that are making those decisions. True, true. And to be honest, Party, I really wish United would have got Party. To be honest, Party is a good signing, even though he's been had his injuries here and there. But yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It, it's it's one of the ones where you just have, Arsenal fans just have to be patient. But yeah, the, uh, it's going to take time. Yeah, it's definitely going to take time. But the Europa League will be interesting if all the four uh, English teams make it through Leicester, Tottenham, Arsenal, Man United to see if one of them can match up against each other in the round of 16. 
that would be interesting as heck if we get like Arsenal Tottenham or Arsenal Man United over two games. That would be super interesting because definitely Arsenal yeah. need, Arsenal need this because they need to qualify for Champions League and Tottenham need it for Champions League as well. So yeah, those guys are definitely going to have to take that. We need to take that competition seriously as well because remember I said that I would like if we finish top four, I'd like a trophy with that. So we've got our own reasons. So oh ah. Oh, hey. Trier just scored a banger, sorry. But yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. just took the lead. But what was I talking about? Yeah, yeah. The Europa League, all the English teams in the Europa League have an incentive to actually continue with it. So I feel like we might actually get another Chelsea Arsenal, like you know, we did in the final yep. um the other year. So or yep. well, yep. even English teams playing each other in the semis and quarters, that'd be interesting. That'd be like, very when we played you man uh like what five years ago, even though we yep. lost. Yep, you guys lost, <laughs> but it's okay. We won't we won't revisit that because we lost in the final to Sevilla. <laughs> so yeah, that, 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 that made up for it. <laughs> that made up for it for you guys at least. But um, yeah, we got some good games on the weekend as well. Obviously, the Merseyside derby on Saturday, and then Sunday we got, uh, I believe it's Man United Newcastle on Sunday. Yes, yeah, we have Newcastle Sunday and night. Arsenal Man City, and then West Ham Tottenham. So a couple of good games. Any thoughts on those games? Yeah, those are decent. So I guess to start with, the Merseyside derby, um, it's, that's going to be very intriguing to see how that plays out personally. Um, you guys were very unlucky in the last Merseyside derby for a number of reasons. I, I, <laughs> I don't even want to count the reasons why I'm upset about that game, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's still... Because usually, I'm not going to lie here, in terms of derbies, Merseyside derby doesn't t- typically interest me because a lot of them turn out to be board draws and that. But after this most recent derby, I feel like there's a uh, there's unfinished business between you guys, isn't it? And especially with the former you guys and you're in similar league positions, this uh, this could be one of the most interesting Merseyside derbies in years, to be honest. Like, yeah, it definitely could be. I mean, Everton have been undefeated in the away from home in the Premier League since November first, actually. So they haven't lost an away game in a while. But the last time they won, the last time they won in Liverpool was 1999. That was their last win at Liverpool. So I don't know if they're going to do it this time. We'll see. I it just comes. Well, good comes, things come to an end, bro. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> Liverpool on a losing streak of three home games in a row, which is the first time since 1967. <laughs> 1967. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, I can imagine Ancelotti is going to be telling those guys like, you know, there's no crowd here. Liverpool are kind of rocky at Anfield. We got our result against them last time. You've got this. Those things are definitely, I guess, going to be in the minds of the Everton players that, you know, if not now, then when? Like, you're competing with Liverpool in the league for top four. Like, when? So, But I still expect you guys to win that. But I feel like it's definitely going to be more competitive. Yeah, I think I could see either a draw, most likely a draw in my opinion. I could see like a 2-2 again. Just hopefully Pickford doesn't injure another another one of our players. That's, that's all I got to say uh, about that game. Well, um, the way VAR finished that last game between you guys, yeah, that was just the that was the icing on top of the cake. That was a amazing game. That was one of the, my that was a very good game. Man. I actually wanted to ask you because obviously VAR now is in the game since we live together, and. It just seems like in England, it just doesn't seem to work at all, the VAR. Like, I watched the Bundesliga, and they have efficient VAR. They look at it strictly right right away, offside, boom, it's done. But in, in the England, they just want to do, like, Excel graphs or something like that. They try to put so many lines together to find, like, the little millimeter of the guy offside. So what's your, what's your thoughts on the VAR in the Premier League specifically? Um, so when we come to VAR, I'm for VAR, don't get me wrong. Because I, I feel like there's people in Premier League saying, oh, I miss when we didn't have VAR. No, I'm for VAR. It's just the way the English Premier League or English people are, are, are managing it, isn't it? Like, one, it's taking way too much time to make decisions, yeah? I guess, like, you know, you want to get to the right decision at the end of the day. But the way they go about it, yeah, some decisions are being missed, isn't it? You've seen it in the Premier League, yeah? Sometimes you'll see something, you'll be like, why hasn't that gone to VAR? Like, even for United, um, I don't know if you remember when we drew to Chelsea, when Harry Maguire did this to uh, Asper Quetta. Yes, I <laughs> yeah, I remember. And they didn't check that at all. And I'm like, so what's the point of having this if we're not going to check something so egregious like that? Yeah, like, 
there's just no consistency. You get me? Like I'm here for VAR, but some decisions are some decisions are great. Don't get me wrong. Like some of them are just quick here. They do this job in it, but I think maybe it's the people behind it and the rules behind the VAR. Like there needs to be some sort of protocol where it's clear between the referee and the people in the office that's like, okay, cool. If it's this, then it's this. And it can get sorted in two minutes. Because when I see it in the Champions League and all that, it just it's just a bit more, uh, you can get, it has its questions, but it's just way more efficient in other leagues in the Champions League than it is in the Premier League, man. There just needs to be some sort of way to make it more quick and effective. Yeah. But the, on, the offside thing is a bit of a mad thing, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, what are we going to do with the offside thing? Because I think the Premier League just have its own rules for the offside, in my opinion. They just say any body part that's offside is, is done. That's it. If you're no, if you know it's offside, then that's it. Like I don't understand like what their what the rule is for the offside, in my opinion. Then a lot of the decisions are like we're all for VAR. We want it in the game. Otherwise, we're gonna have a scenario where we had like Chiellini and Suarez biting, and then we're gonna have the Lampard goal that didn't count in the World Cup. Like we're gonna have yeah. those incidents, but because we need it. But the people that are running the VAR in England, they I don't know what they're smoking or what they're drinking because they don't know what they're doing. I think it's just the standard of referees, man. Like, you know who makes me laugh the most? Yeah, like, I love him, but people hate... I love... Mike Dean is a joker, man. Like, people like Mike Dean, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they just want to make refereeing about themselves more than actually about the game, yeah. really. Yeah, like, I mean. the, the standard of refereeing in England just needs to be improved. But I don't know. Maybe that's a question for football in general because, you know, you can get bad referees everywhere, but... We focus on England, right? In England, it's awful, man. It's awful. Yeah, the refereeing, that's just... refereeing is horrible in England. Like, I remember back in the day when there was Mark Clattenburg and Howard Webb, and I was like, oh, these guys, you know what? They actually have control of the game. They know what they're doing. And I feel like yeah. if they had VAR, they would have really shown a good example to young referees in England, like how to use it properly in a, in a good way. But now, since I think Howard Webb and Mark Clattenburg, they're running the Saudi Arabia uh, Refereeing like, Association because they're obviously getting paid a lot of money to go there. So I think if their experience would have been to the Premier League, that would have been huge for the Premier League referees. But now, since there's no like real leader or experience, they're just making their own mess. rules up. It's a mess. It's a complete mess. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking about uh, the way VAR has been handled in the Premier League. In an ideal world, yeah, you don't want to have to go to VAR, really and truly. But I just feel like the way it has been happening and the rate has been happening. Doesn't that show to the FA how bad referees are if we constantly have... Because I feel like this happens... There's always a new incident like every single week or every single game or a new hot topic. Like, surely it shouldn't be happening at this rate. Surely the referees should have some form of control over or some sort of sight over what's going on in the game. But, yeah, yeah. it is what it is. But hopefully, Hopefully soon they'll just sort it out and that, like by next season, we'll actually have some good VAR decisions and something that, like, we can all just agree upon, especially with the offside, in my opinion. But one improvement, do you think it's an improvement, the fact that referees can go to the monitor? Because I swear last, uh, up until lockdown last season, referees weren't able to go to yeah, the that's, monitor. I don't know, that was, that was egregious, that they weren't allowed to go to the monitor and actually look at the decision that they're going to make. They're trusting somebody else who's not even refereeing the game, who's not even yeah. in the they're, they're, the referee has to make the final decision. He's the one who controls the whole game. But obviously, thank God they did that now to change that because that's just a calamity of errors right there. When you look back at the 2018 World Cup when VAR was first introduced, there weren't actually many, too many mad VAR moments, if you can remember. No. Like, no. referees were able to go to the moment but like, why wasn't England doing it like, exactly the way they did it in the World Cup? Because when I look back at the World Cup, there were no moments really when I looked back and I was like, "Raw VAR really just messed up the whole flow of this game, man. Maybe that Iran-Portugal, I don't know if you remember that game. The Iran-Portugal uh, yeah, group I'm stage. To, yeah, I'm trying to remember what happened in that game. There was a, I think there was a moment, or I forgot where it was, but that was the only uh, thing in the World Cup where I remember I was like, VAR has kind of been mad. Yeah. But other than that. But, I mean, also it speaks to the fact that there was no English referees at the World Cup as well. Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure, was there not a, 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 at least a couple? Like, Clan, not Clanberg, but like, uh, what's his name? Michael Oliver? Or there was, there was minimal, but I think there might have been one or two, but yeah. I don't think there are. I mean, the days of Howard Webb and Mark Clanberg refereeing the final, 
is gone now, pretty much, in my opinion. Yeah, England referees are in the mud, man. Yeah. But it's hopefully they'll just sort it out in the future and we can get a better flow of the game, in my opinion, because that will definitely benefit the Premier League a lot, especially. Yeah, because we, we need it, because it just feels like, because referees were always an issue in the Premier League, VAR or not. But it's just infuriating that we're still in this position with the technology that is supposed to improve it. So Yeah, no. I'm just checking if there was any English referees. And there were no English referees in the World Cup. Right. Yeah. So that just speaks England, that just that just speaks to the fact of how the quality of referees in England. Yeah, we we've definitely fallen off in terms of that, like. Yeah. But I mean, anything else you want to talk about before we head out? Uh, moving forward to the Euros this summer, yeah, or on the wider topic of the England national team, because me and my boys have had debates over this, whether, like, you know, England, we're overhyping England again, or, like, what they look... What do you make of England's national team and their prospects moving forward? Because when I look at our other team, like Spain, Brazil, and all that, their younger generation, and I look at England, England actually have a quite an exciting group of young crop. I'm not saying they're going to go on and win the Euros, in it? But I feel like England have one of the most exciting, uh, like, up-and-coming players in Europe and, by extension, the world. So what do you think of England and, like, what, like, Grealish and all that, Madison and... With English squad, they if they don't get semifinals, at least in the Euros this summer, it's a fail. Gareth Southgate needs to get sacked. That's my opinion. You think semifinals? Yeah, because that squad is now ridiculous, in my opinion. You guys have so much talent in there. You have Harry Kane, Rashford, Sancho. Midfield, you have Henderson, Declan Rice. You have Mason Mount. You have so many good players. Kyle Walker, right back. Center back pairing is going to be a bit iffy. Is, good, is it going to be Harry Maguire and John Stones? That's then, what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's going to be a bit iffy. And then who's the goalkeeper? Is it Nick Pope? Is it Jordan Pickford? That's a, that's, those are the three positions that really need to be solidified. I think as well. Well, what do you think about the centre midfield position? Because I feel like uh, England have great attacking midfield options centrally, yeah. But okay, you've got Henderson and Rice. But do you think the balance is there in midfield uh, to compete? If you get to what I'm saying, like, to be honest, I, Jordan Henderson is one of the best CDM players in the world, in my opinion. Like, people don't really rate him that much, but, I mean, I've used to slack him so much for that. Like, I was like, oh, this guy's not good. But then all of a sudden, he, in the last three seasons, he's become so good and just so – he's so much of a leader, in my opinion. So, if him and Declan Rice could play together, CDM, that's, I think, perfect for England, in my opinion. So, uh, say you have a four at the back. You have two those two. So, what? Would it be four, two, three, one? Yes. Yeah. You have, you're going to have one striker, yep, and it's going to be Harry Kane. Those three positions behind, or well, actually, I'm taking Sterling, Rashford, and Grealish. Oh, actually, wait, 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 wait. Am I? Am I? Who who would play on the right side of that? Jordan, James Sancho. Yeah. See, this is where England are. This England are spoiled in that sense, you know. They're, okay, they're spoiled in the offensive side, but the defense. Okay, other than right back, you guys are loaded in right back. You have so many good yeah. right back players. But the center, the center back, and the letter left back, and the goalkeeper are okay. They're not like atrocious, but they're not going to win you the World Cup or Euros, in my opinion. You know what? Yeah, I think Southgate should start taking Shaw seriously because Shaw's not really been in the setup like that. Southgate should start taking Shaw seriously as a international option because left back you've got chill. Realistically, you've got Chilwell, Chilwell, and Shaw. Chilwell's good, but Shaw's better, in my opinion. Um, who else is there apart from Shaw, really? Who plays left-back for England? Um, ooh, Bamford just scored. Finish. Uh, who else? Is it just those two? I Pretty much it's just those two. I can't think of anybody else, to be honest, that are playing top leagues, either. Those oh, are you've got, uh, who plays left-back for Villa? Because it was... Um, his name? Uh, Target. Matt Target. Target, yeah. Target, yeah. Outside, outside, uh, nah, it's, it's yeah. either Luke Shaw or uh, Ben Chilwell. It's one of those two guys, yeah. And then who are you gonna play as center or, back? Yeah, Maguire and Stones. Um, uh, and I do, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, that's but not Sto- good enough. Stones has been good this season, though. Yeah, but Man City dominate the game so much, so it's a bit easier to be good. Obviously, he's improved a lot, but I mean, 
when you're not going to dominate the game like City do, when you're going to England, so much more pressure, the whole nation's behind you. I mean, it's going to be tough for those center backs to do anything, in my opinion. Yeah, true, true. Um, but to be honest, City's defense, though, regardless of that, have improved. Like Ruben Diaz as well. We've got to give Ruben Diaz a lot of credit. But like when I look at England center back choices, uh, it's the best of the situation. It's, it might not be ideal, like, but they can definitely make a partnership there. I don't know if it'll be the most compatible, but it's something, you get me? It's definitely enough to, as you say, make it to the semi-final. Like, they can, um, it's decent. Yeah. In my but, opinion, the top five favourites to win it, first is France, because they're obviously so good still. They have so many good players. Second is Portugal. Ridiculous. I'm honestly, I'm honestly looking at Portugal, and I'm saying this team is actually going to win the Euros and the World Cup in the yeah. next 10 years. Their squad is loaded for such a small country. Portugal is actually going to win maybe the Euros, in my opinion. No, I I kind of agree with you, you know, because when I was discussing this with my boys, um, I was thinking, like, don't sleep on Portugal because when you actually start uh, rattle, when you start naming, uh, wheeling off the names, yeah, there are so many names in that Portugal setup where you're like, okay, cool. If they're actually a coherent team, they can go up game for game with anyone, really and truly. Yeah, man. They have Bruno Fernandes, Ronaldo, yeah. David Jota, Bernardo Silva, Renato Sanchez, uh, Ruben Diaz, Joao Cancelo, Rafael Guerrero, Rui Patricio. They have such a loaded squad, man. I really, I see them challenging France. And, and the interesting thing is in their group stage in the Euros, it's uh, France, Portugal, Germany. So that's going to be, yeah. that's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. That's, uh, that's actually a group of death. Like sometimes they say group of death and it's just nonsense, but you, this is actually a proper group of death. Like, I can't wait to see that. What do you think of Spain's current crop? It's a bit mid to me. Yeah, like, obviously, it's just the changing of the guard for them as well. They're trying to get out with the old and in with the new as well. So they have Ferran Torres and all these guys. Alvaro, Alvaro yeah. I don't really care for him, but he's still there. And then you got Sergio Ramos, who's still, who's still doing the thing. But I don't really yeah. see them, I don't see them winning the Euros, in my opinion, either. Nah, neither. But it could be one of those ones where you know where, like, there's not that much expectation on you and then uh, you come and perform? It could be, but I haven't really seen too many signs from them, to be honest. Nah, man. I honestly see it's it's either between France and Portugal and then maybe England. Those are the three teams I see winning the Euros. Okay, of the main, Germany and Italy, what do you make of their current crop? Do I? No. <laughs> did you see, did you watch the game between Germany and Spain when it finished 6-0 for Spain? I mean, Germany are done, man. I mean, don't get blown. He's done, man. He should have left that for a World Cup after that disaster. And then he got rid of he got rid of Matsumus. He got rid of Boateng. He got rid of I think Thomas Muller. And now he doesn't even want to invite them. So they're done. I'm I'm done with Germany. They're not they're not doing anything. They have names though. If we're just talking about names, they have names. But yeah, on the pitch, I, it's it's a thing where I would I I can't count them out. You get me? It's Germany and. The, the players they have we'll, we'll see how the group fares in it but I wouldn't rule them out so do you but by the way you're talking do you think it's going to be France Portugal will make it through that group yeah I mean, Germany will miss I, out? but in the Euros it's the top three that go through oh yeah I forgot about that yeah because there's more teams nowadays that. yeah so that's why so yeah. obviously they're still going to make it through but then they're going to play a tough team in the round of 16 so yeah I think the way it works out England plays someone in that group if they finish top, well, Eng the England's group and that group are they're next to each other. So England, I think, could play someone from that group in the next round. Okay, so that'd be very interesting. That would be very interesting if that happens because if England played Germany, oh god, <laughs> oh god. Yeah, I was right. just looking. Um, if the winner of Group D, which is England, they'll play the runner-up of that deaf group of the. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's going to be a mad team. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mad team, because if, if it's England-France you know. or England-Portugal, oh, God. Oh, no. But I'm going to be blatantly honest with you, because you were talking about uh, England have to make semi-finals minimum, yeah. Southgate is not good enough, bro. No, he's not. Like, My if, we, if, we're just, if we're just talking about science, yeah, of, like, building four, because names alone, England should make it into the semi-final, in my opinion, yeah. But, like... When I saw England, the way Belgium outclassed them, when we got beat against Denmark, just the players in the pitch compared to what you see on the pitch, this is the difference. Like, I don't think England 
uh, are coached well enough by Southgate to make it uh, to semi personally. And even when you're saying like, if we come again up against France or Portugal in the last sixteen, we're losing. <laughs> you're taking a big element that I'm sorry. That's going to be yeah. a big L for you guys. So, but we'll do in a couple months. We'll do a preview because obviously there's still my country as well, Finland in the Euros, first time ever, and there's no fans. Yeah, that's 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 a shame, bro. It's, it's a shame. such a shame, man. I was ready. When we talk about internationals, we'll talk about uh, Sierra Leone's greatest ever result, the uh, 4-4. Oh, yeah, when they that, came back on nil against Nigeria. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was craziness. I've, I've never seen that. But, yeah. Yeah. You know, in the return fixture, we held them to uh, a nil-nil. I don't care. That's progress, man. Nigeria, that's, like... That's, that's massive progress, man. I'll give it up to you. Yeah. Bro, we won an away goal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you could just say that. Hey, at least you're going to have a Sierra Leone player in the... In the Euros this summer as well, so yeah, the boy Glenn Kamara, the greatest player of all. I'm happy, man. Uh, you got to be grateful for the small things, man. Especially when it comes to small country. So yeah, exactly. Hey, we're a small country here too, man. Five million people, and finally made it to Euros. <laughs> and then Corona decided to hit, and we have no fans. Yeah, like uh, it's also the World Cup is in twenty in two years as well, man. We're the, the way the football schedule, the, how it's going to work out over the next, like, two years is going to be crazy yeah. because the World Cup is in December as well. Like, Yeah, I know, man. That's what I was thinking. If Finland qualified for the World Cup in Qatar, I don't know if I can go, man. Just the amount of people that died for building those stadiums is ridiculous, in my opinion. But just... I cannot yeah, deny like seeing I, my team playing in a World Cup because that's all I've dreamed of. You might have to. to, to if I had the money or whatever, I would go to that. Have you seen um, the radius of all the stadiums for the Qatar World Cup? Yeah, they're, cause, I mean, the country is super small, so you can, you can get to all the stadiums in, like, in an hour, hour and a half. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. That is so... It, it works for the players and the fans as well because they don't have to do that mad travel time to get in between, yep. so yep. none of those excuses. But that also could create tension between fans. So I always got to think about that. But also, there's no alcohol involved. Yeah, true, true, true. Oh. Help. And football, football fan cultures, I think, kind of changing really. Like, if you've got that uh, thing you said about like the alcohol and the, uh, it being in Qatar, but yeah, I just don't think it's gonna be that hostile. To be honest, I feel like it's gonna be kind of a carnival thing. Russia, though, I would don't get me. I don't know if Russia was tense because, to be honest, when the Russia World Cup went by, I didn't really hear of too many incidents of trouble compared to what I was expecting. So, uh, now when I went to the World Cup in Russia, I mean, it was so much fun. The amount of yeah, just like a carnival feeling, especially when I went to go see Brazil, Costa Rica. That was just a carnival, man. Everybody was just drinking and having fun and just enjoying the football. That was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, that must have been sick. Was there any trouble in the World Cup? No, I didn't see any trouble in my opinion. Even though there was a ton of alcohol involved, there was still no trouble between fans. Yeah. yeah. So that was the beauty of it. Well, fair enough, because English media, like from the second Russia got announced, yeah, English media went to town on that World Cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, who look if you, if you're English, English you go, yeah. Well, they went to town, yeah. But yeah, man, I think we're good for today. Thank you for coming mm. on. Hopefully, first of many that you come on to the podcast, yeah, man. Yeah, I will definitely. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Like, hopefully, we'll speak more on the uh, goings on in the football world, of course, man. All right, guys, that's another episode of the Mike and No Mike show. And remember, please wash those damn hands. Peace. Thank you.